0: Hey, it is Annabelle, one of your co hosts of JTF, and welcome to a really cool episode of Uganda to Speeches. Okay, I am so fired up you're here today because we have a powerhouse Latina as a guest, Betty Francisco who will be sharing knowledge about information that is not usually accessible to our community. And she will also share insight on how to become an investor of impact. Again, this is part of our season two money and investment series, where we are doing the hard work for you on how to invest through the learning experiences of other Latinas. Betty Francisco is one of those Latinas who is an impact investor and community leader known as a powerful convener and change maker, unapologetic about creating visibility for Latinx and BIPOC leaders. In 2022, the Boston Business Journal named Betty as one of the powerful 50 movement makers and Boston Magazine named her as one of the 100 most influential people in Boston. Betty is currently the CEO of Boston Impact Initiative, a social impact investment fund that invests to close the racial wealth divide in Massachusetts. She is the co-founder of Amplify Latinx, a racial venture that is building Latinx economic and political power by significantly increasing Latinos' civic engagement, economic opportunity, and leadership representation in Massachusetts. She also has an impressive legal trajectory where she has represented many startups, corporations, and investors. Bueno, without further ado, let's dive in. Hola, hola, hola chicas. Bienvenida a Jugando Tus fichas. Hola Evelyn, hola Rosa, hola Marlene. Marlene no va a acompañar en unos minutos, pero hoy tenemos una invitada, como acabamos de decir, un invitado especial, Betty Francisco. Muchísimas gracias por estar con nosotros hoy, Betty. Eh, ¿Cómo estás? ¿Cómo te sientes hoy?
1: Todo bien, es un placer estar con ustedes
0: chévere, chévere. Hola Evelyn, ¿cómo estás? Te veo frondosa y linda después de un viaje de vacaciones. Esta chica acaba de llegar de vacaciones de las montañas. Eso es como algo nuevo ahora. Todo el mundo se va como para el día, el fin de año para las montañas. Es porque no entra año con el año con el, con el ¿cómo se llama? La energía fresca. ¿Qué es lo, qué, qué es lo que está pasando con eso? Yo
2: tengo, yo tengo 11 años. Déjame decirte que tengo 11 años yendo a Loom Mountains. Um, oh, that's los, awesome. los, los dos últimos años I have um, tapped into a ski so super proud de que mis lecciones de esquí siguen mejorando y señores una dominicana en esquí en New Hampshire ya ustedes <laughs> saben después le pongo los videos de los estrellones para el que es dominicano <laughs> que yo los me digo exactly but super excited and Betty. I'm looking forward to hear everything you need to share and you have to share with us. So welcome to JTF. Thank you so much.
0: It's great to be here. Chévere. So, como dijimos a la entrada del episodio, Betty Francisco is such a powerhouse in our community, um, specifically the Latinx community. She's the CEO of the Boston Impact Initiative. I really want to jump with a specific question around power. You have done so much in the sense of like amplifying BIPOC leaders in our community. And one thing that really struck me from your bio is that you are a powerful convener and change maker. And I'm curious to hear before we jump into the investment conversation and finance and all the great stuff that you have to share with us. I'm curious to hear like, how do you define power and how do you share that power?
1: Wow, that's an amazing question. <laughs> so, you know, we all have power in very different ways, right? And to me, power is not so much about what title you hold or position or authority, but really the power to make change, right? How are you using power to help others? How are you using it to open doors, to create opportunities? for for people so to me power is the power to champion and influence for the better for the good and that is often you know what we we have to learn how to do because sometimes we the the view of power is it's something that you seek right to get ahead um to have a big name or to be recognized uh and i have always seen the most you know modest people that use it in ways to really um, very quietly behind the scenes, um, create a lot of good disruption. And that's, um, you know, something that over time I had to learn how to do. Um, and, it, and it came with, you know, just people helping me along the way, right? So I know that I got to where I am because of other people opening a door for me. And, and part of that door opening was standing by me. Uh, amplifying, right? We we'll talk, we talk about amplify Latinx. I'm the co-founder of Latina Circle, Amplify Latinx, and it's rooted in this notion that we want to get more Latinos into positions of power and influence. But it's not for the end goal of power and influence; it's for the end goal of creating economic prosperity for our Latino community, right? For creating uh, a, a systems change for us, so that all of us have opportunities to live a better life and provide for our families and leave a legacy for the next generation. So uh, that meant, you know, for me learning, how do I do that? Not just as I create success for myself, but for the person next to me, for the person behind me, for all the young people that are following and watching, right? And so. We spent um, so much time learning how to do that, and it really is putting your name out there and saying to you know alguien que sí que tiene el poder para cambiar cosas, a ellos tienes que you know avanzar a nuestra comunidad. So that is part of the power that I think you know I have and that we all have, but we have to use it for good.
0: Love that, and it seems super clear that you share that specifically, but also amplifying those people to enhance that power and also like discovering that power, honestly, like I, I have, I yeah. went through that throughout my career, honestly, and it takes time to own that, right?
1: It does, but we think of it, you, you know, many of us didn't have opportunities, maybe our parents didn't have the opportunities we've had, right, to get an education, to go to college, get a higher uh, degree, get a job in a, that pays very well, right, maybe in a corporation or, and a firm, right? I'm a lo- corporate lawyer by training. Uh, I never imagined, right, that I would go into my first legal role and make, you know, this is way back, like 25 years ago, you know, make $100,000 a year. To me, I was rich, right? I was like, oh my God, how, <laughs> you know, how can I be making this when I came from a family that literally only, you know, had an income for four of of less than 30,000, right? Very, We're very, very poor um, when I was growing up. And now I'm like, the in a position to really not just make money but get my family out of poverty right so so that's one power right the power to change the trajectory of your family outcome but then the other is when you get there right and all those people that helped you you're like i can either keep this to myself and hoard it or i could help so many more people be like me right and that means sharing what you know opening those doors, um, speaking up for, you know, what is wrong and, and doing it in ways that uh, role model to other people that that is possible, right? Because what good is it to have all these connections, all this power, if you're not going to use it to make your world a little bit better? So Mm. that is hard. It's hard for people to understand. It's hard for young people to understand that they all have power to do that too. Right. You have the power to do it in school. You have the power to do it, you know, in your, in any workplace. Right. But especially in our Latino community, women, especially when they get to like those positions of of high ranks where they can hire, right. They have Mm. the, the ability to control who gets hired, control how people get paid and how much they get paid to, um, you know uh, change pa- policies and practices around you know childcare, like flexible work we all you know when we reach those roles have power to make change but do mm. we use it do we use it to do that right that's Amen. the question we ask ourselves you know use it to make um your workplace your life your community
2: a little bit better
0: i love that love that
2: thank you for the examples of how we can impact when we are at that level how do you get to overcome the fear, Betty, of like being in charge, being in power and saying, I'm going to make a change. I'm going to change how I raise the people behind me or next to me, uh, where you might feel like you're the only, you know, the only one in the room that can, that can relate to us, you know, to our community, to the, our latinx community where do you find that courage to say this is what's going to happen and and what strategies do you use to come not convince but get the people on the table to understand that this is the way they need to go
1: yeah so i mean when i was younger right i would not have said the things i could say today (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you for being So, so honest i totally acknowledge that you're building up your reputation you're building up who you are right like you have to um prove yourself in many places right first um but I don't you know now that I look back I don't always believe that like you you see amazing activists right that are um incredibly young and are speaking up uh and they are driving change through uh organizing uh and 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 local activism and sharing a story about why things need to change so there's that kind of, change making that can happen. Um I would say through voice, right? Through through the the collective action of community coming together and demanding that certain things change. But I also think that um and, and the community gives you voice, right? So when you are uh advocating together, right, you you kind of lift from each other and and when you are a collective speaking around the same goal, of course, like then your fear goes away, right? Because you you know that you have all these people standing behind you. But if it's you lonesome in your workplace and you're the only Latina or the only person <laughs> of color or the only woman, right? Um, I've always, I, you know, it's funny because I never saw my Latinidad or my difference uh, as a negative, as a barrier or as something that um, created an obstacle, never. I was, uh, always viewed it as a positive, an asset, uh, something that was special and unique. And so when you think of that as a, a frame for yourself um, and bring about like, why, you know, why is it that what we're bringing to the table is a benefit to this workplace, right? So we, cause we're so used to, we've internalized the negative. And, you know, I always remember like someone saying like, oh, you know, you can't speak English here. And I'm like, well, what, isn't it better to have two languages, three languages, right? Isn't it an asset to understand how to, (laughs) how to, you know, uh, uh, be in multiple spaces and and relate culturally, right? To different communities. Isn't that an asset? Don't we look for that in executives nowadays, right? And so when you, when you start to think in this uh, asset-based framing about yourself, and believe me, yeah. I still have issues, right? I still have, um, you know, imposter syndrome in, in, in several contexts. You know, I still, I, I sometimes tell people I have a poverty mindset because I came from a poor background. And now when you, you know, reach a certain level, you're always afraid to go back, right? You're always afraid yeah. going to be poor again. <laughs> so I'm like, I still <laughs> got my issues. But from that comes this energy, right? Of wanting to help others. Because I know that when that... Um, you know, the minute like you impact somebody because you help them open a door, you help them get a job or you help them, you know, get into a a, a home or, or you um, prevented something from being mm-hmm. lost, right? Like mm-hmm. a legal mm-hmm. issue or whatever it is. Um, there's such a bond that's created around that relationship, right? And so we're here to in the end help and support each other like yesterday right I don't know if you were at the embrace memorial the, Oof, the I wish unveiling. I was there yeah so there's the unveiling of the memorial for or the monument for uh Dr. Martin, Martin Luther Martin King, King and Coretta Scott King yes. which is called the embrace and it's such a symbol of of hope of love of uh the beloved community of this of solidarity of coming together um and what we, you know, often don't appreciate is that we're all interconnected and what, mm. you know, hurts you hurts me, but what helps you helps me. And so can we think like that? Right. So I, I, I'm not sure if I answered your question about how you get over the fear. Uh, but I think it's being able to talk in spaces like this to share, honestly, like, of course I have my issues, right. Yeah. But <laughs> you've got to get around, you, you know, you've got, you have to get Surrounded with other women that can lift you up and show 100%. you sometimes what you don't see in yourself.
0: I'm laughing. 100%. I'm I'm actually smiling and my my piel se puso gallinita because this week I was talking to someone that I I don't know. I mean I don't I don't know if she's my mentee. Like I don't know how to define it, but we have this regular check-ins, and she was telling me that she got a new job and she's the only person of color there. And she's like. I don't know. I'm I'm terrified. I'm the only person there. Like she's she's everything that she was sharing with me was super negative. Like she was the only one that she the people will pick on her. I was like, listen, no, it's the other way around. Like think about all the things that you're going to bring to that space that people are not thinking about. Think about the opportunities and also the perspective that you will share that no one has in that space. So it's more like changing the ship, right? To change. Um, your mindset around that. And I feel like that's a good segue into how does it feel? Because I'm sure you have been in that position, Betty. You are a pioneer for so many different things. Like I really admire the fact that you are co-founder of the Investor of Color Network. Um, You know, in the investment space, obviously, there's not a lot of us in that space, right? So I'm curious to hear like as someone that is either a pioneer or the only person in those spaces, how does it feel to be in the investment world on your own and how you've been, I mean, what has been your trajectory in in, in changing that?
1: So I feel very lucky in that I actually have not been the only person or alone. I've actually only been around other people like me, right? So that's what's so different. My perspective is, is 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 unique. When so when I was, I'll start with when I started my career, I started practicing law, corporate law specifically. So as a business lawyer, and in the beginning, you know, when you're a young associate in a law firm, uh, I worked with, you know, I did everything. So worked with venture capital firms, helping on investing. Uh, terms. I worked with startups, with public companies, uh, basically helping them with their day-to-day legal work. Um, so I learned a lot about startups. I learned a lot about how they get financed, right? which in a when you're in a big law firm, what you're seeing, the only thing you're seeing is venture capital, like VC deals, angel deals, or you're seeing mergers and acquisitions, right? So sort of like the life span of a company from when it gets, all this money. And we're talking, you know, several millions of dollars at first, all the way to uh, a point where maybe they're going public or maybe they're getting sold or getting acquired. So that was my initial framing of, you know, I thought that was like the world and, uh, you know, and the, the be all end all for business. And I didn't have the view that now I have, right. Of, Uh, the bodega down the street, the little supermarket, you know, the clothes store, the stuff you're seeing online now, like I didn't have this appreciation at the time for these teeny tiny businesses that actually make up about 80% of our economies, right? It's sometimes the mom and pop. So and sometimes it is the startup, but it's the small businesses, they call them micro businesses, right? They're less than Five employees, they maybe have 250 or 300,000 in annual revenue. They're tiny, but they make up the majority of our economy. And, and so I, I, you know, when I started to kind of figure out, oh, wow, that's, that's who, and that's where I go shop, right? When you're shopping local, right? That's who you're buying from. Um, And those are real businesses too. And we, we need to, you know, invest in those and support those. But, but I start with the first story because that my initial view of investing was just this like very very um specific space of venture capital or you know and, and obviously being in a in in a firm I got introduced to saving right myself like investing in my own retirement plan 401k and again that's public securities right or mutual funds so I had a very very myopic view of what investing was um And it wasn't until after I left the law for a little bit of time that I started my own business. I started a kid's fitness business. And I also wanted to figure out, you know, how do these smaller businesses get capital? How do we invest in them? And how do we support our own? Like, how do we support women-owned businesses, uh, businesses owned by people of color? Where does that money come from? especially when you're so tiny and you're not raising, you know, 5 million dollars. You're raising 50,000. Mm-hmm. Um and so I actually was fortunate I got into or I found this program called Pipeline Angels and it's a Latina that started it, Natalia Berti Noguera from New York. She's also a powerhouse and it is a program to teach women how to become angel investors so that they in turn will invest in women-owned Non-binary femme social ventures, mm. and and you ask what's an imp- what's a angel investor, right? So an angel investor is someone that uses their own money to invest in a business. So it's it's you know your your savings or you have extra ca- capital that you are very willing to lose because angel investing is risky, right? So but you believe so much in the entrepreneur or the business that you're investing in that you're willing to put that capital at risk and you're also willing to maybe put some of your personal capital or social capital on the table too and and what that what does that mean that's going back to the beginning of the conversation what connections do i have that can help that business right does that business need um you know a contract with uh comcast and do i know someone at comcast can i make that introduction and facilitate that contract maybe right or am i uh, do I have a door opening into another investor that maybe can pro- provide additional capital for this entrepreneur? Okay, I make that introduction, right? So, so the, so that's the social capital, and you know what? I also have a lot of knowledge capital because I happen to be a lawyer. I know how to form a business. I know what's involved with getting you started. I'm gonna give you that, right? I'm gonna that's my knowledge capital to you. So you bring together, right, financial capital, money. Social capital, your network, and knowledge capital—sharing what you know—that's that's the beginning of an investing journey, right? That's really, that. really powerful for for me, right? Because I I focused on women that didn't have access to that knowledge or or capital, and and, and this was not a whole lot of money, right? I'm not like super wealthy in any way. It, it was small amounts, right? In Pipeline Angels, you you invest a minimum of five thousand dollars into a business, but when you do it with other women. Right? Maybe five to 10 other women, you could be putting in 50K or 100,000 into a business that does help them start up. Mm -hmm. And then think of all the knowledge and social capital that's in those 10 women, right? And you're helping them that business exponentially. So that's what got me started back in 2015. I started with Pipeline Angels, It, it gave me this immediate network of other women that wanted to learn how to invest. And we were doing individual investments into you know, startups that were um, addressing some kind of uh, social issue or social problem. Uh, one of my first, in, uh, the first investment from that group was into a company called VidCode, which is a platform to teach teen girls how to code through video and photography. Uh, and then I continued to invest in other businesses, um, mostly all women and, and people of color. Uh, and then that is what got me introduced to Boston Impact Initiative, which is an impact investment firm focused on uh, investing in entrepreneurs of color to close the racial wealth divide. And we provide very fair, flexible, friendly capital to entrepreneurs, uh, and and we try to leverage financial capital in a way that uses all the kinds of transactions that we Um, may see across very different entities so when I say angel investing right that's your personal money but when most people look for money they think of a bank right or they think of venture capital because we've been told venture capital is the thing right and 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 the bodega is not going to get venture capital right maybe it will get a loan but you know what you can't get a loan until you've been in business for two years so how are you supposed to start right? So that's what BII Boston Impact Initiative comes in is providing um, that kind of capital to folks that may not have had access to the friends and family, right? Can't get access to traditional capital like a bank loan. Um, And we're working with them to provide them with the kind of capital they need for what they need it for. So we don't say we're only going to give you a loan. Maybe you need, maybe you do have contracts and you need to finance those contracts, but you can't you're waiting to get paid, so you need money upfront. Well, we'll provide you with a line of credit, right? Cause we know that's what you need right now. Maybe you need longer term patient capital and you need equity and we'll be able to do that. So we don't, we're not bounded by a particular type. We actually are able to play with all capital types. So we call that integrated capital. It's being able to use equity, debt, and grants to support a business to meet it where it's at and help it start, start up, and grow.
3: That's great. I actually have a follow-up question. Hello, Betty. I'm Melinda. Hi. Blito. And so I had two questions uh, as a follow-up to what you shared. The first is, how does your, how do you and your work and your organization fund and support? nurture the sustainability of these entrepreneurs so their ability to stay in business and grow as as business owners and what kind of businesses are you funding the most these days where's the largest demand where are we seeing the most growth great
1: questions so on the sustainability piece we so the the, our first fund so the history of boston impact is we're 10 years old now it started with a pilot Um, not by me, but by its founders, uh, Deborah and Michael Freeze, they were trying to test this idea of being able to do very hyper-local investing. So place-based investing in Boston and using what we call integrated capital, right? So I'm not trying to be jargony. I'm just saying these are the terms we use. So I'm explaining them. So integrated capital, equity debt and grants, right? The mix of those. And also what I talked about earlier, it's the financial, social, political um, knowledge capital, right? That, so it's it's the money and these other factors that we know you need as a business. So the first uh, pilot was $3 million invested into about 30 businesses. And then that that showed that it was successful. You could do this kind of hyper-local investing that's, that's focused on the smallest businesses, but it is that it's looking for how do you create... Sustainability on a couple of levels. One, it's on how do we sustain ownership for those businesses because this we're investing in businesses by owned by women, people of color. So we want them to maintain as much ownership as possible. Um, and part of that it means not getting capital right that's dilutive or that's super high interest that's going to then you know put you at a disadvantage. Um, the other um, aspect of this is how do we impact Jobs, right? So paying livable wages. Um, And we know sometimes when you're starting up, you're not even paying yourself, right? But we are trying to get a business to a point where it generates enough healthy cash flow that you're able to pay yourself, but you're also paying a living wage, not minimum wage, but living wage and creating jobs that have benefits, right? That could help um, build wealth and assets in for your employees. Um, We're also looking at, this is something we don't often talk about in our world, Um, you know, especially Latinos, although in our countries, we have many businesses formed as cooperative or employee owned businesses here, right? We're in a worker economy, right? So we often, it's this dichotomy of owner versus worker. And, And what we're trying to encourage is Businesses, even when they start to think about how do we create democratically run and governed workplaces, so that is the cooperative or employee-owned model. But it's not often discussed, right? It's not even within our legal framework. So BII is trying to encourage that now with many other, uh, you know, capital providers that this is sort of the the wave. If we if we if we want to change our systems right now, right, and our practices, we have to stop. Um, working within this you know framework that we've been in, which is capitalism, right? which exploits workers um, and exploits our resources and start to think about how do we create a more sustainable, inclusive uh, economy, And that means supporting businesses that are trying to regenerate, right, that are trying to give back, that are trying to um, really flip what you know has been taken from us into now regenerating for our. For our workers and our economy, so so that's part of what we think about when we um, when you ask about sustainability. The other is the economic, sorry, the uh, ecological or environmental impact, right? So we know that we can't um, form a business these days or run without thinking about what is the impact we're having on our climate, on our environment. You know, we have now regulations that are going to force businesses to get to our net, you know, our state and local and national net zero goals. So we have to start to think about that, right, and how we can help support businesses along those lines. To your second question, our first fund um, at BII was what we call sector agnostic. It means that we didn't pick one sector, so that's the only thing we're going to invest in. It's very diversified. So our second, our first fund Pilot Fund's first fund was $7 million invested in about 50 businesses. And they run the gamut from food, um, ag, technology, education, manufacturing. There are a few nonprofits there too, because we sometimes lend to nonprofits. Uh, And so it's really diverse in terms of sector. Now we've launched a second fund. Our second fund was launched in October, and that's a 20 million dollar fund that I'm raising now, and that is still sector agnostic, but it has three themes: businesses. We're investing in businesses that are addressing climate resilience. So there, that could be an electric vehicle company, it could be a company doing solar work, or one that's you know trying to help um, uh, renovate homes to be more environmentally you know friendly and friendly. efficient. It, it could be very diverse in terms of what we mean by climate resilience. The second is the cooperatively or democratically owned businesses, um, sorry, em, em, employee-owned businesses that have democratic decision-making. And then the third is a business that is, you know, trying to perhaps address systems change or is um, diversifying a sector, right? So we know that certain industries are, have, lack complete diversity. And so, we might be in a position to support a business that's trying to create diversity in a, in a sector that's that's growing or um where there's increased opportunity and then another thing that we are investing in with our new fund is what we call community owned or community governed real estate so think about it right we often are told like hey buy a home that's our dream right to buy a home but some people are not in that position. They need to rent, and so we need more affordable, accessible housing. And um, and rather than um, build it and you know think we're going to be affordable, we keep raising, raising rents. We're trying to support uh, models that create permanent affordability of real estate, but also and that prevent displacement and that have some sort of community governance, right? So imagine if the residents or tenants can control their destiny, right? Because they decide what happens with, you know, does the rent go up? Do we raise, you know, because we're trying to meet expenses? Well, rather than having a landlord decide that, we get to decide it in, in a project that's community governed. Community ownership is another one, right? Like it could be three or four businesses banding together to buy a property, or it could be a real estate developer that wants community members to own a piece of that property. So it is sharing wealth, right? And thinking about the greater community and how it participates in the asset building, right, that we're trying to help spawn and generate. So that long-winded answer to your question about, you know, what we're investing in. So again, not one thing, because we believe you have to diversify, but uh, we we also, um, our second fund is a, what we call a systems changing fund, right? We're trying to build more ownership in communities of color, um, both through ownership of businesses and ownership of land.
0: I love that. Honestly, I mean, is this a model that is, scenes in older places or you guys are, have been thinking something different here? Because it's very unique what you, what you are talking yeah. about.
1: Well, be, Boston Impact is unique as a fund, right? Because it's one of the few um, funds that back in, when it was launched, you know, say five years ago, it was one of the few impact funds that had a racial equity, economic justice theme. Mm. Right, there are a lot of impact funds. Some, you know, impact funds focus on climate or gender lens, or um, you know, or maybe sector specific. But there are very few that had this, you know, justice thesis around uh, closing the racial wealth divide. Um, and to do that, right, you ha- you do have to challenge existing ways of deploying capital.
3: Mm. And
1: and that's why you know that's why we talk about not being you know we don't say we're only doing debt. We're not VCs either, right? Although some of our companies, as they've grown, have become eligible for uh, VC investments, and mm-hmm. and so we have a few now that you know are black owned, that black women owned um, companies that have raised twenty million, you know, as their first Series A investment. So it starts, you know, it can it start with us. Uh, but that is, um, you know, I think BII is unique, right. In that it is trying to shift how capital moves, not by us only, because we can only do so much with say our $20 million fund that just launched. Uh, but we're also training other impact investors across the country to launch funds similar to uh, ours. That's great. Right.
0: That's great. And actually, I actually have two questions. So the first one is what makes a business fundable in your the world, right, in your in your space, but also um, thinking of potential investors in this work, I feel like the fact that you're thinking about sustainability is huge. Um, you know, if people will be interested in this kind of model and would love to invest, what is the minimal requirement for people to invest in this work?
1: Yeah, so on the entrepreneur side, you know, we look for, some of the companies are very small, right, they're startups, but right now we're looking for companies that have some sort of impact, right? So we look at impact across three, three uh, levels. One is on the structure of the business, right? So, as how, who owns the business because we're investing in entrepreneurs of color, right? We're looking for founders that are diverse. We're looking at, um, you know, who, who may be on, a, on their board or in their advisory, um, you know, board. Um, like, who is the business surrounding itself with, you know, in terms of its advisors? We look at the team, right? So if if it's they're very very small, they may not have a management team yet. But when but if they do, right? Is the management team diverse? How is it structured in terms of decision making? Right? Is it one person making all the decisions, or is there more um, uh, democratic decision making? We also look at um, local procurement, and you know how is this business buying? Is it is it um, supporting the the local supply chain? Um, you know, is it buying from other businesses of color? Because we want to encourage that. That is a way we keep building wealth in our own communities. Um, and then we look at environmental impact, right? So is the business um, adopting strategies to mitigate its environmental footprint? But also, um, you know, is it is does it have the potential, you know, to help support our clean energy transition? Um, and so you know, we're looking at impact measures. We look at living wages, you know, how is it paying employees? How does it benefit uh, or create wealth building opportunities for workers? And then we do look at the business itself and whether it is financially sustainable, right? So this is not, um, you, you know, we're not looking to invest in businesses that don't have a good and solid financial model, right? So the model is it really important. Is Can this generate you know, revenue in the end. And then, um, you know, who are the founders? Like our our type of investing is what we call relationship-based or character-based investing. We don't, you know, look at like, unlike a bank, right? That might look at credit scores or take a lot of collateral and ask for personal guarantees. We're building a relationship with the entrepreneur to understand, you know, who they are and whether they are going to stay with this business for the long-term, right? So um, we look for founders that, you know, have resiliency that, you know, are really passionate about what they're doing and are going to be, um, flexible and feed and taking feedback, right. Cause you want someone businesses, you know, change a lot, they adapt, they have to be resilient. And so right. you need founders that are capable of taking, you know, feedback, um, on the investor side. So, you know, our new fund, which we're raising now, it's a $20 million fund and we've raised about 3 million. In the last quarter of 2022, so we've got you know a bit of a, of a ways to go. Um, the investors that invest in our fund, we're a debt fund, right? So um, the there's three types of investors, and one is the community investor, it's the person that is not wealthy, and what we wanted to do was benefit the people that are less wealthy to have the most return. So you can invest um, in our fund uh, with a minimum of a thousand dollars. So, and and it's a five-year note and it generates 5%. If you reinvest it at the end of five years for another five years, it's 7%. So think of it like this. Have you ever gotten an opportunity other than your bank account, right? (laughs) (laughs) Have you gotten an opportunity to invest in an impact fund ever? Any of you? No, no, no. So as I'm telling you this, if I'm saying you have a chance to invest in BII, support businesses in your local community, right, that are going to have an impact and um, and are shaping models for other people to follow, would you say yes, sign me up? Probably, right? Yeah, because you've never gotten the chance. Nobody's asked you. Right, so what right. we wanted to do was create an opportunity for our community, right, to have a chance to invest in a fund like ours. The other in- investors are wealthy individuals, right? So it's anyone that mostly impact investors, right? They're individuals that, you know, want to um, uh, invest in impact and are willing to take less of a financial return, right? Because mm-hmm. the return for them is 3%. It's quite you know, it's quite modest. And it's a longer term, we're asking, you know, impact investors to hold their investment for 10 years. So 10 year note 3%. And then philanthropic notes, which are 10 year 1%. And that means like, you know, for foundations or folks that really are in a position to use their charitable dollars to support impact, right, but get it back eventually for them, our fund is a very compelling to them. And so we need we need All of those players, right, to come together to make a fund like this um, viable and for it to work. And it does work. But, you know, think of it as, you know, very different from what you might be used to investing in, which is purely to make profit, solely to generate financial return, right? And that's, we need to do that too, right? Especially when we're building up our savings or our nest egg. That is, I'm sure, what you have you know, in your 401k or your investment accounts, you have, you know, assets producing high return, right? Because that is um, what you need in the beginning. But I, I've said, you know, at some point we can't only think about maximizing return because at what cost? like if you dig deep and look at what your stuff is invested in, it's probably invested in things that are um, contributing right to our, um, degeneration of our environment, negative impact in our communities, we have to sometimes think and say, well, it's not only, it can't only be about financial return.
2: A hundred percent. Después que Betty hizo como una explicación tan clara de lo que significa un investor de impacto y cómo la comunidad, porque esa fue mi pregunta eh, durante que te escuchaba hablar, ¿Cómo, cómo nuestra comunidad puede impactar. Y, y yo siempre he pensado, Según voy viendo nuestra comunidad, cómo podemos sacarla de ese. We want to build that, you know, that wealth, that generational wealth. Yo pienso que veo esto como una oportunidad de que we can build generational wealth, de que podemos cambiar la mentalidad de que a lo mejor si nos vamos a ir a gastar mil dólares en algo, en una, en, en un viaje o en uno, en una ropa o en una cartera, yo puedo decir, you know what, I can support that business. I can put in the $1,000 and I know it's gonna be a five year invest, return investment, it might not be an immediate um, return, but the impact that we're doing in our community, the impact that we are creating, the opportunity that seguir creciendo, and having a voice in the economy and changing capitalism. I don't know that we're gonna change it completely, but making an impact on capitalism, this is a way. Y, y I love the fact that you're including the community Because I'm not making the $100,000 to give back. We can give back one way or another and shift. And knowing that we can do that and also get a return, even if it's long-term, is very inspiring. Because I have had those questions that I'm like, how do I get there? How do I get to support? Because I'm not rich. When I hear angel investor, I'm like, how can I even be an angel investor? And I laugh. So thank you so much for making it so clear. Thank you for being so transparent, esta comunidad que no escucha, we can make a change, we can make a change, even with the little that we are able to give back, And no todo es para nosotros, I think we're going to change our community when we think about it from a broader perspective, that is not only the self, so that's, that's what I wanted to share.
1: Evelyn, I love that. You summed it all up perfectly. You want to come work for us?
0: Y gracias por decirlo en español, porque nosotros también sí. tenemos que asegurarnos de hablar en, en dos idiomas, porque tenemos audiencia um, que pueden interesarse en este tópico. Claro que sí, en, en los dos idiomas. Y, y también algo que realmente me cambió mi entendimiento en todo lo que dijiste, Betty is the angel investor framework. Honestly, mm-hmm. perception is todo, verdad? Because you, te imagine that an angel investor has to have millions of dollar in order to join the conversation and join the this amazing work that you got. You made me think about a lot of different things, you know, and 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 I feel like. I think about this stuff in my 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 brain is engineer, I think differently, because I feel like in, in some ways, the way that I see it is like accessible, how to make angel investment accessible to right mm-hmm. for people who want to make a difference. Yeah. So I think yeah. huge that that kind of work that you're doing. And I'm curious to hear to yourself a story that you felt that has been part of this journey that really impacted you as a person and really reminded you that this is why you do this work that you wanna share as an inspiration to those out.
1: Yeah. So there's, uh, I mean, we have a lot of stories that, you know, I was gonna tell you this, story. I'll tell you two stories. So one is um, this entrepreneur up in Lawrence, uh, Lawrence, Massachusetts. I met her in 2019. And she was uh, unique in that she's in construction during environmental remediation. So that's like literally cleanup of asbestos, right, during construction projects. And she was like badass, you know, it's like, wow, you know, and she worked for uh, another company for many, many years. And she said to me, you know, Betty, I'm leaving that company because the owner won't make me a partner. I've been working that whatever fifteen years. I run the business. I know how to run the business, and won't make me a partner. So talk about like not being given opportunities to live up to your full potential, right? Like Mm -hmm. so, at that point you cut you cut loose and you you do your own thing. And it was the end of twenty nineteen, and what came after that? Well, COVID, right? Like what a terrible time to start a business. But she did. She started the business, and in late twenty twenty, I I touched base with her. She said, "I've launched." And in fact, this is what I did. I wanted to give back to my workers because some of those people that work with me came with me. And as a thank you, I formed my business as a unionized business. I pay them higher wages, great benefits. They're mostly Latinas working in my business that I employ from Lawrence in my community. And not only that, I was like, Wow! So she got her certifications too. So she is a woman-owned, what we call WBE, right? Women business enterprise. She's certified as a minority business enterprise, as a LGBTQ business enterprise. Oh my god! And as a disadvantaged business, right, because of the location she she is in. So think about that, right? Like she um, went through lots of challenges, being a woman in construction, even getting her, you you know, starting as a union, she had to get a bond, which is almost impossible to get it as a, as a startup. And she had, you know, somebody along the way that helped her get that bond. And where we came in was she needed money to be able to take on more construction contracts. So if you're familiar with construction, you don't get paid right away. You have to wait A long time, sometimes 60 days, 90 days to get paid. And what are you going to do if you have to pay your workers? You can't have them wait that long. So she needed, you know, what we call working capital, a line of credit. And so as a as a still a new business, less than two years in operations, she couldn't go to a regular bank. Right. A regular bank is not going to give you capital. So this is where BII comes in, right? And being able to support uh, that kind of working capital for a business like that. So I love her. Her, her name is Daisy Suniga with Synergy Contracting in Lawrence. Um, she, I think she's badass, kick-ass chingona, right? Because I love it. <laughs> how do you, you know, you're, and, and she comes, you know, with her construction hat and she's like, this is, you know, what I'm doing. And I, I love her for standing her ground um, and being very honest, too, about what women in, in this industry need, not just women, but, you know, people of color, because we're underfinanced, honestly, like not big construction companies, but these could be the next, you know, midsize to large companies if we can invest in them. And so I tell you that story, you know, as just love um, that we're able to support a woman in a business that's underrepresented um, with women and people of color. The other one is in Lawrence also the healthy bodega, right? So mm. um, it is Casabe, Wendy Luzon. I see. Wendy Luzon yeah, yeah. So Wendy Luzon was starting her business, you know, again, like late 2020, 2021, needed capital, you know, to start what um, Casabe is a healthy, you know, food business in, in a food desert, right? An area that does not have healthy options. Um, and, you know, this was she, Wendy's ultra connected in, in Lawrence, this was her first time being an entrepreneur, right? So again, access to capital is, is you know, was sort of her first need. And then, um, so we were able to provide that, but with other investors. So um, this was also a, a fun opportunity for us because Harvard Business School started its first impact fund. And Boston Impact Initiative and Harvard Business School and another uh, another uh, CDFI called Leaf uh, that we co-invested in in this in Casabe and part of it is it was a way to teach students at Harvard Business School how to how to do impact investing through a live you know real investment so it just shows you that you know these are really examples of helping to support other businesses and teaching how to do it. Because, you know, you talked earlier about young people and what you learn or don't learn in school. I never learned investing in school. I didn't even learn how to budget, right? And (laughs) and if we can start to change that, right, by embedding entrepreneurship and investing education at high school level, right, so that we get exposed to it, we then will be in a position to create this next generation right? Of people that go into finance, that people who go into accounting and investing and marketing, the things that businesses need to be successful. And we don't have enough of them, right? Because even when we're looking, right, to to hire, there's not enough people of color in our in our sector. So it starts with us role modeling this, you know, it starts with you investing in these things so that you can show like, look, I did it. And it's not it's not a big deal. It's not a barrier. It's not unattainable. It's actually right here, and you know we have the ability to support not just you know maybe BII, but you know what? There's going to be someone listening to this that says I want to start a fund. I want to learn how to do that. And so who's going to invest in that fund? We have to be able to back up right those that want to um, go down this career path. And so it starts with us being, you know, the first investors in, and I hope you will all consider, consider us, consider others. You know, there's many small businesses I'm sure you get exposed to ask them what they need right? And and even if you just buy
3: local, don't go to Costco, although we went to Costco today. <laughs> 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 buy local. <laughs> I'm hearing you. I'm getting inspired, Betty. And again, because I work in higher ed, specifically preparing these young professionals of color for their careers. I'm thinking about our, our listenership. I'm thinking about our audience, todas las mujeres y la juventud que nos escucha. Y me pregunto, if you could tell them anything, to that college senior, to that new professional who's in a dead-end job or really thinking about her 2023 goal and finally taking the leap? Like, what words of wisdom would you give these listeners? Like, if you could tell them one thing, what would you tell them?
1: Tienes que tomar riesgos. Take risk. I was always afraid to take risk. I was like, I, you know, y si no trabaja, y si me caigo, si, you know, you create every barrier to taking a risk. I realized, like, what's the worst that could happen, <laughs> right? pues pierdo un poquito de dinero, me un poquito, right? So I think taking risk um, and asking for help, like, I didn't um, appreciate that people want to help you. People want to see you succeed. Ask, ask your teacher, ask, you know, someone, you know, in, in your, your classmates, like uh, go to the, a local business owner you admire and say, how did you do it? Mm-hmm. You know, like, can I learn from you? Can I help you? So I, I, I would say like, it starts with that. It starts with risk-taking and, and being okay with failure, right? Because we're told like, you can't make a mistake. Well, sure, we can, right? And say, I think it's Sarah Blakely from Spanx. Mm -hmm. You know that brand? Uh Uh, She talks a lot about her beginning journey and she used to sell, I think it was like copiers or some kind of machine door to door. And it, it was really hard, right? You often get told no, and you might perceive it as a failure, but it's okay, like, you know, celebrate the failures and use them as opportunities to, um, gain knowledge for what you're going to do next. So I, I, I would say, you know, I think if we start to change our mindset around risk-taking and failure and, uh, and opening up ourselves to new things that we haven't been exposed to so that we stretch ourselves, that is the way we're going to grow and learn. And I do, you know, every, like I, I ask myself every day, what's, is this really uncomfortable? And if it is, it means you're growing.
2: Wow. <laughs> Wow, I think you said it all, uh Betty. Uh, a la gente que no escucha a la entrepreneurs, I can relate. algo que me enseñado entrepreneurship es eso, take risk and take the non-traditional route, y especialmente para los latinos, yo pelear con mami porque mami quiere que yo tenga un trabajo con sueldo y yo mami I'm, 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 I'm trying to do this. So we can change the course. We can listen to our family because they care for us, but know that we have a north star that we need to follow. So tomen ese riesgo que dice Betty, pongámonos en situaciones incómodas que nos van a hacer crecer y está bien equivocarse. Así que, ladies, it's been a pleasure. Betty, beyond Thank excited. Thank you so uh, Count on me. I'm going to go into your organization and I'm going to see how I can support. I'm being very genuine and honest. Uh, because you. it's a it's a it's a uh, value of mine and a value of your, the company that i'm trying to build along with my husband at thank you so much and jtf keeps going thanks for the support bye thanks thank you, you ladies
3: bye.
2: Chicas, esto es todo por hoy en Jugando a Tus Fichas. Don't forget to sign up to our email list at www.jugandotusfichas.com and subscribe in your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our next episode. While you're at it, tell us cómo tú juegas tus fichas or your challenges. If you have a wonderful Latina in your tribe that will enjoy this podcast, go ahead, share it. Be sure to tune in for our next episode. Hasta la próxima. Till next time.